Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jacob. Hope this message gives you encouragement, perspective, and revelation from God to give to others. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram page, Fusion Student Media, and also follow me on Instagram, at Jacob underscore Malasa underscore. We hope you enjoy the message. So I had this I had this thing on my heart while we were worshiping. Last week I had a word from last week, but but one of the things that the Lord told me that that was speaking through the worship song that I need you to hear tonight is that um, when he says that the battle belongs to the Lord, that means that the battle was never yours to begin with. And that means that you're trying to fight a battle that you're never going to win because you can't either control it or anticipate it or see it actually go through. So I want to let you know tonight that the battle is not yours to fight. If it's been stressful this week, like she said, some of us have been tired. I want you to know tonight that the battle belongs to God. And when you give it to God, then there's a peace that comes over you when you release it to him. So I want to give you that encouragement of what she said about the battle belonging to God. If you give it to him, then there's peace and a blessing that comes with it. But if you're trying to fight the battle, you'll just get exhausted. So just remember to give the battle to the Lord this week. Anyways, for this message tonight, I, I preached this about a year ago, one year ago. And this was a series during the quarantine I had preached this, but I wanted to make it into one sermon for tonight. Um, the title of this message is called For the People in the Back. And, and I'm not just talking about people who, who sit in the back or, you know, that's just an old preacher saying, oh, for, this is for the people in the back. But this is for someone who feels like they, they have to sit in the back of everything, whether it's in your life, whether it's with other people. You always get picked last. I know that sounds corny, but, but one of the things you might deal with is that, is that you deal with an experience of rejection in your life. And so this message, I want to debunk that lie of rejection over your life through this message for the people in the back. We all experience a pain of rejection. It's often caused to respond with insecurity and fear. What's worse is that many of us don't know how to identify or overcome the effects of of rejection. In this message, I want to show you how you can overcome rejection, which is the first part, insecurity and fear, and also hurts, so that you can learn how to be secure in your relationship with Jesus. I have four things. The first one is for the people who feel rejected. For the people who feel rejected in here, I want you to know this. Jesus was rejected so that you can be accepted. Jesus was rejected so that you can be accepted. I have, I have an irrational fear. It's a weird fear. I thought about it for a while because I thought, I thought, no, it's just, it's just, nobody has in a weird irrational fear. But, but one of the, one of my fears is, and it could be a, it, it sounds depressing, but, but I have a fear of like dying alone. Have you ever had that like fear of like feeling like you're going to die by yourself? I know people that love me. I know people that are probably going to be there at my grave. I have people that pour out to me, all this stuff. But it's just that fear, that weird fear of dying by myself. It's just, a, it's, just it's a weird, irrational fear that I know will never happen, but, but I experience it in, in some way and I don't know why. While we might have many weird fears and other things are silly, we have a common fear that we're unaware of, and that's called rejection. That's a fear we all have. Either you've experienced rejection and now it's caused fear, or you're just afraid of experiencing what your other friends call rejection. 
Here's the, here's the, here's the down benefits, like the non-benefits of rejection. Rejection temporarily lowers your IQ. And what that means by this is that it doesn't just mean that you're, you become more dumb when you're rejected, but, but one of the things rejection does is that the, the reason why it lowers your IQ is because once you get rejected by something that you thought would be for you, then you feel like what you say might not matter. So if you say it, you might sound stupid. That's why it lowers the IQ. Another thing that rejection does is that it creates surges of anger and aggression. It causes you to have this like lash out because if you, if you expect rejection, then you're going to be like, okay, if they're going to actually do it, why not get it over with? So you come out with lashing out and anger and aggression because of rejection. So when you get rejected, you experience anger and aggression when it happens. Rejection also doesn't, doesn't make it unstable, but it destabilizes our need to belong. That means that your need, your need to belong to somewhere gets destroyed, obliterated. And that's what rejection does when you experience it. But I want to tell you this, because some of us have experienced rejection and all that stuff, and, and, and a lot of us have, but, but do you feel paralyzed by rejection to the point where you can't have real friendships or have real relationships because you're so afraid of someone walking away or you're so afraid of someone backstabbing you and rejection has a hold on you and you can't seem to get out of it and you can't overcome it. I want to show you how Jesus overcame rejection in Hebrews 12 verse 3. It says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What he's saying in this is that Jesus suffered extreme hostility and rejection from people. From people, but Scripture shows us that he endured it. The thing that 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 encourages me is that is that Jesus was rejected on the cross and on Calvary so that I can be accepted into the kingdom of God. That's the reason why I hope, even though I get rejected, because in your life you will. There's a lot of us in here that can have a testimony of how many people that have rejected us. But one of the things I want to encourage you with tonight, even though man rejects you, if you understand that God accepts you, then you will live more at peace and you will not care about human opinion or human assumption. You will be more sufficient in your walk with God if you stop believing in man's rejection. Because you're going to get rejected all the time in this walk. You always will. There will be people that will make fun of you, laugh at you, talk behind your back because of how you live and who you live for. That's why rejection is such a big deal. But one of the things you have to know is that if Christ had to see, had to face opposition, what makes you think you can't? What makes you think that you won't go through opposition like he did? Jesus' ministry grew, but at the same time, it grew, but also opposition came behind it. And rejection came behind it. Did you know that the same people that rejected Christ on the cross was the same people that he preached to and poured out his spirit to? Same people he loved and cared about rejected him. That's tough. I couldn't do that. If I'm being honest, from my, from my perspective, it's hard to love on someone that has stabbed me in the back and rejected me. But Jesus showed it as, as he knew the purpose. He knew the purpose of why he had to be rejected. Because he had to die on the cross. That's the reason. But for you, what is the reason why you're rejected? You have to understand the why because if you don't understand that, then you'll always ask the question, why am I always being rejected? 
Wouldn't it be incredible if we could all learn how to endure rejection instead of letting it paralyze us? That would be great because rejection paralyzes us, paralyzes us on a regular basis when it comes to anything. Some of us are easily rejected. Some of us, it has to take a really big event for us to be rejected. But all in all, rejection is rejection no matter what it looks like. But it's the first step that causes dysfunction is rejection. But I want to read this prophecy to you in Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. It says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. There's the word, rejected by mankind. And a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hid their faces, he was despised. And, he, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. So to make it easy for you, Jesus was more rejected than you were. I'm not downplaying your rejection, you've dealt with a lot. But what I want to show you tonight is that Jesus wants you to know that he understands what you're going through when you're going through rejection because he went through it. He went through the same issues you go through. Rejection, it happened at the cross. Fear, it happened at the cross. Getting backstabbed by people, even though he loved and cared about them, yeah, that was at the cross too. Anything Jesus went through, he understands what you're going through. He was murdered because of the rejection of others. And maybe you feel powerless. And maybe you've heard some phrases in your mind. I'm going to list them. I'm a loser. There's something wrong with me. That's a big one. Something's wrong with me. That's a big phrase we all use. You've told yourself that. Like, what's wrong with me? Why would I say that? Why would I do that? Like, what's wrong with me? And we, get, we give into those lies because of rejection. They rejected me because something's wrong with me. Oh, they rejected me. If they rejected me, that must mean God rejects me. And we believe and we feed these lies that the enemy tells us. But I want to tell you what set me free from the thought of rejection. It was showing me that the Lord, if the Lord accepted me, there was a greater freedom than people trying to accept me. I know there's a lot of people that won't accept me. There will be decisions that I know people won't like. I know there's going to be things that I'm going to have to do that people won't go with. But the point is, is that if I live by their acceptance, and I've heard this phrase before from a, from a rapper, if I live by someone's acceptance, I'm going to die from their rejection. If I live being accepted by someone, then once they reject me, I'm done. I'm done with. So you live in rejection because you try to have this acceptance from other people. But what I want you to know is that if you learn that you're accepted by God, then rejection can't hurt you no more. You will always be rejected, but it's what you do with the rejection that counts. It's always what you do with it that counts. Rejection can make you feel alone, isolated, and defeated. But Jesus experienced the same rejection and can offer you the opposite of it, which is the acceptance. That's why he died for you. That's why he shed his blood for you so that you can experience a freedom of acceptance from him. People can walk away. People can say anything they want about you. But if you get accepted by God, nothing else will matter. 
Now, trust me, there are some people that, that you don't want to deal, you don't want to live in rejection all your life because relationships won't go well. But if you learn that you might get rejected, that is okay. Because if I'm accepted by Christ, nothing else matters. So live to the fact that Jesus was rejected for you so that God could accept you in his kingdom. The second thing for the people who are insecure, this is the people who lack safety. Jesus is the anchor for your soul. He is. But the definition of insecurity is, in a simple definition, a lack of safety. When we are not confident or secure as a response from pain. And I'm not talking about, now, here's the deal. Insecurity can come from from any place. You could have anything stripped. Because insecurity can also mean a lack of, a stripped of innocence. That's what insecurity can be. But one of the things is, is that even though you were stripped of security, now the question is, is that where, where do you put your security in? That's the question. What, where do you put your security in? We all respond with insecurity when our security has been shaken, whether it's relationships, friendships, family. It could be anything, and you feel like your safety is stripped. But one of the things I want you to know in Philippians 4.19, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. You can probably list a lot of things that you go to to make yourself feel secure. You go to a lot of stuff. I go to a lot of stuff. Music was an escape for me as a teenager. Video games were an escape for me as a teenager. I still listen to music and play games now. But the thing is, is that it's different. Because is that list, are you trying to find security in that list and it's not really satisfying you fully? If you've ever been to a carnival, I talked about this with, with a couple of my friends. It's called, they're called hawkers or something like that. And they advertise certain products for you to buy and they're like, oh, this works or, or that works. That will get you this or this will get you that. And they make it sound good and they make you purchase it. But the issue is, is that once you purchase it and it doesn't work, they don't refund. They just, you keep it and then you walk away and you're done. So it's like you see this gratification of like, I want to purchase this. I want to buy this. But at the same time, it doesn't fulfill anything. That's what a lack of putting your security in something that's not God is. Is when you're seeking, like, this will make me feel better. This will show me satisfaction. This will bring me this and that. But the issue is, is that it will crawl underneath and it will fall you through. You, it, it does not stabilize you when it comes to that. It doesn't stabilize you because it's not God. But if you rely on God to be your security, when Paul said to the Philippians, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches and the glory in Christ Jesus, if you live by that truth, then your security won't be in anything else because it will fall right through. Guess what? I know, I know guys who play video games to pass out depression. Guess what? They depress the next day because it's not God. It's not God fulfilling the need. It's something else that God never really created. And it's not sin. It's nothing of that. It's nothing bad, but it's not God. It's nothing messed up, but it's not God. It's nothing sinful, but it is not God. And that's why it doesn't fulfill you. That's why you still feel empty afterwards. Some people say, I mean, drugs are bad and all this stuff, but sometimes this can be worse. It can be worse for you. 
Because you don't seek the other stuff. You go to the stuff that's actually stopping you from pushing forward. It's like medication that you take and it just stops it. It doesn't help it get better. It just stops it. It's the same thing with the stuff that we try to find our security in. But God offers Jehovah Jireh shows, it shows me that Jehovah Jireh is the security. That means he supplies all my needs in Christ Jesus. And that's why you got to understand that Jesus supplies all of that. And he supplies the foundation. He's the anchor for your soul. We begin to live and act insecurely because the thing that is keeping us safe falls through. So I want to encourage you, what do you have your security in? And is it stabilizing you is it lifting you up or is it just staying there and then it falls through and it doesn't really satisfy like you think it does i'm not going as deep as you think it is i'm going very surface level it could be anything you go to but if it's not god it will never satisfy the way it's supposed to if it's not god you'll come out dry jesus is the anchor for your soul the third thing For the people who feel afraid, fearful, you can trust Jesus. You can trust Jesus. And this is a hard one because trust, I've learned, like I used to blind trust a lot of the times. Like I would just trust anybody. Be like, oh, you seem funny, I'm going to trust you. Or you seem cool, I'm going to trust you. And I just blindly trust. And then rejection comes into my life. And now I'm like not trusting anybody. And I think fear makes that happen because of the experience of rejection. But I want to show you, I want to, sh- I want to talk about phobias. I talked about that in the beginning, but I want to talk about some phobias that I searched up. And I did this a while back, so it's, it's kind of cool that I'm coming back to it. So here's some that were most Google, Google-like searched. So somniphobia is like the fear of falling asleep. Uh, Okidophobia means the fear of houses, being in a house, or home surroundings. And then oblotophobia means the persistent, abnormal, and unwarranted fear of bathing, washing, or cleaning. So if you see someone that smells funny, just know they have a phobia. That's why they don't clean themselves. But but they just don't clean themselves because there's a phobia. And then I want to show you the ones that I searched up that I thought I thought were hilarious. So syngensinphobia, whatever. This is the fear of relatives. Have you ever been afraid to go to like a Christmas gathering or like a Thanksgiving gathering? You don't know what your relatives are going to do. That's the fear of relatives. That's literally what it is. I don't have it, but like I get intimidated. So the lipophobia, the fear of becoming fat. That's legit a phobia. So to undo that fear is just, is just, I guess, I guess eat healthy. Xemiphobia means the fear of the great mole rat. So if you've ever seen the mole, have you ever seen a mole rat or the great mole rat? Google it up. If you have a fear of rats in general, I don't recommend you searching this up. But, but the fear of the great mole rat is one of them. So those were the three that I found kind of funny. But here are some serious ones. So like hemophobia, which is like the fear of blood. Like, 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 I used to, I used to donate like, I used to donate plasma, which is like the, the plasma that's in your blood. And I used to do it because I could actually, it's something in, 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 uh, in downtown that I could actually sit, raise money. There you go, Morad. <laughs> I, I wanted pictures so bad up here, but I forgot to put them in through the, uh, the screen. But, um, but a fear of blood. And then, and then autophobia, which I talked about in the beginning, is the fear of being alone. 
We all struggle with fear at some point in our lives, maybe not to the phobia level, but we have some type of small phobia in our life, especially when it comes to the rejection in our lives. I want to show this to you. Maybe your fear seems different or it seems smaller, like fearing rejection or insecurity. It doesn't feel as big. But we always try to dumb down our fears because they don't seem as important or maybe this point doesn't, you feel like it doesn't apply to you. But I want you to know that, that the, fear, the fear will be so frustrating that you will hate yourself instead of loving yourself and loving others in God. That's what fear does, especially when it comes to overthinking. I hate, I dislike overthinking. I'm a man of God. I don't say hate, but I dislike overthinking because one of the things that I don't like about it is that what it does is that it can, it can be a lie. It could be a, a lie that comes through your thoughts. But if you believe it well enough, it'll legitimately become the truth. Did you know that? Every time I've overthought something that was actually a lie about myself or about someone else, I've started to believe it. Or like, here's, here's a big uh, overthinking question. What if? That's a big overthinking question. What if? If you ask, what if they walk away? What if God doesn't answer my prayers? What if, what if, what if? But I want to encourage you that what if kind of goes both ways. And the reason why I say that is because when, when Peter was about to walk on the water and Jesus was telling him to come, he could have thought of like, okay, what if I drown? What if, what, what if I fall into the water and just sink down and all this stuff? And he did it in a way, but, but the other thought you could have because he doubted it, and he asked the what if, he fell into the water and he was, too, he was paying too much attention to the winds and the waves. But if you ask, instead of asking what if, ask the question like, like oh, what if we drown? Ask yourself, what if I don't? What if, what, if, what, if, what if God doesn't answer my prayer? What if he does? The overthinking thought can start as a lie until you start believing it, and then it becomes the truth, and then you live in that truth. There have been lies about me, about what I've told myself and what I thought other people have thought of me, and it became the truth to me because I believed it for so long. But once I started to unravel the truth, and it was actually lies, it started to come forward like through my eyes. like I could see the lie of it because you can't see it because you've believed it so much. You've believed the lies that have been told about you or you've told about yourself that it continued to where it became the truth. It became the truth. So the thing you have to realize is that overthinking is caused from fear to where it becomes the truth. But I want to show you something about fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Another translation I put up there was power, love, and self-discipline. Your fear must be discipline. God has given you power and love and a sound mind. But if you let fear take the wheel, you overthink when you're supposed to have a sound mind. Having a sound mind, which means sober-like mind, is the opposite of overthinking. Overthinking and sober mind are two separate enemies. But the one thing God wants you to have is a sound mind, a sober mind. Fear is a tool of the enemy. God promises us that fear does not come from him. If you're experiencing fear in your life, you can be sure that it is a weapon that the enemy uses against you to discourage and dismantle you. That's why it's hard for you to take risks. That's why it's hard for you to actually reach out and branch out to people and things because you are afraid of what could happen. But I want you to know 
in this scripture, I didn't put it on the board, but this was when David was under a rock. If you, if you read first and second Kings, David was under a rock. He was about to be murdered by Saul. Saul, Saul was out to kill him because he had the anointing of God on him. And he stood under a rock. And one of the things that, that he could have done was over, was, was overthink. Because he had, it wasn't even just the enemies that he had that were surrounding him. It was the friends that were not there with him. He was by himself. But one of the things he could have overthought, he could have started overthinking. What if God isn't with me? If I'm under this rock, why would God be with me? I should be in a palace eating grapes or something to where I can, because this doesn't look like God. But one of the things he had to realize was this. This is the scripture. I didn't put it up there, but David said this in Psalms. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I'm afraid, I put my trust in you. And trust, trust is a big thing because, because especially if you've tried to put trust in something and it went against your trust, it's hard to trust God. But I want to tell you something. I want to give you a, a truth here. God is not like people. God is not like people who don't make promises and keep them. God is trustworthy enough to where when you're under a rock, he's there with you. When he, when you're under a, 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 dark place or a dark like place. I talked about this last week. If you're in a dark place in your time, God is there with you. He promises that he's faithful to it. You can trust God because trust doesn't take how you feel about it. A lot of the times it takes a faith that you trust God because trust is belief. Trust is faith. So you have to trust God. The, the third, the fourth and final point, Sarah, can you get on the keys for me for this last part? For the people who are wounded, this is, this is the most significant point because this is where it all starts. Because rejection can be a wound. To the people in here who have wounds, Jesus heals your hurts. Wounds, wounds can be very heavy to, to heal by yourself. Especially when it's when it's constant, when you're getting wounded constantly. One of the things I realized was, was when Christ resurrected, came back from the grave, Thomas wasn't there to see it. So Thomas, they call him Doubting Thomas or whatever. And, and he said, he said, I don't trust you guys. If I don't see the holes in his wrist and the hole in his side, I'm not going to believe at all. But one of the things Jesus did was that he kept the holes in his hands and the hole in his side when he resurrected. He could have came out clean completely. He could have had no wounds or whatever. But what's cool about it is that he kept not the wound, but the scar. And I'm glad I see and serve a God who holds scars on his wrist and on his side and through his feet because Wounds hurt. Wounds are like an open wound. You know what I'm talking about? An open wound where it's, it hurts. It's painful. But a scar is that it never, you never forget about it, but it doesn't hurt you anymore. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt you as much anymore because it's a scar now. I'm glad Christ had scars. I'm glad he showed them, hey, Thomas, put your, put your hole where my, where the, put your hand where the holes were in my wrist. Look at the, touch the hole in the side of my, side of my rib and believe me and that shows me that God 
kept his scars so that he could show me that even though it hurt like a wound and I never forgot about it, I know it doesn't have to hurt me anymore because there's healing from Jesus. Jesus heals the hurts. Lower the piano a little bit. Psalm 34, 18 shows you this. Put it up there. I talk about this all the time. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. One of the things, one of the things I struggled with a lot was I didn't know what to pray to God. I had no idea what to say. It was difficult. I felt like I couldn't say anything to him because I was so, I felt so disconnected, so filthy, so messed up to be in the presence of God. I would stay back and not walk towards him no, no further because I've dealt with the, with the thought of him being upset with me because of his wrath and judgment. So I was afraid to walk up into the presence of God. So I would, I would never say anything to him. But when there was a moment in my wife, in my life when I got wounded and I sat there and I didn't have any words to say. All I said was Lord, and I couldn't say anything else afterwards. Because I sat there mad, frustrated, upset, broken, disfigured. I felt like I couldn't say anything to him, but can I encourage you tonight? God even hears the, the groans and the frustration and the, and the stuff that you don't say. He hears that. He hears those moments where you can't tell him anything because you feel so wounded. He hears that. Those moments where I don't tell anyone that I'm dealing with, he sees and hears that. When there's moments where I want to where I want to break out and just and just turn off the show and like just stop this facade, he sees that. He sees those things. He sees my wounds. He sees the hurts. And because he sees it, until I accept that he can heal me, then he will heal me. But if I stand at a distance, because a lot of us will do this, we'll blame him for what we've gone through. We'll do this. We'll blame him. But instead of pointing the finger, because blame does not get you freedom. Also, the Freedom Conference, if you want to go, this is part of it where you do this to God or to people and you don't receive freedom because you're doing this all the time. It's like a wall. Just you, you blame other people. One of the things is that I've learned is that God, we think God does this all the time. That's why I felt so distant. That's why I felt so afraid to go to him. But the one thing that I learned and that he showed me the revelation of, he's not like this. He's like this. This is his motion. This is the motion of the father that you want to serve with. You, he takes you up. He takes you up into his arms. And I didn't realize that until I had to break free of the condemnation that was put on me because I felt like I was always in the back. But God showed me that even if people reject me, if I have the insecurity, if I feel afraid, he is not intimidated by me being these things. The scripture says that we serve a high priest that can take anything of the weight that you're dealing with. God, I'm tired. God, I'm messed up. God, I, I, can't, I can't do this. I did it again. God, I'm shaken up. I'm so mad. I'm so upset. Because I would rather you tell God because everybody else will probably look at you crazy.
But if you go to God, God can really see. God's the only one that understands. Nobody else understands like God does. Nobody else. So if you feel like you're unfulfilled and that's taking a place in your life, I want you to know that Jesus is willing to heal, but you can't, you got to stop doing this because he's not doing this. If he's doing this, then you have to do this. You have to release what you've been pointing your finger at. You have to release that wound so that God can give you the healing that he has for you. Because his agenda wasn't just to heal people physically. There's some stuff on the inside that he has healed that I've seen. Because he never just healed them. He forgave them of their sin. That surprised me. Because that was his real agenda. It wasn't just for him to put on a show. It wasn't just for him to show that he was God. All he did was he showed the gospel, which is the open hand. Not the blame, but this. He opened up his arms so that I could receive freedom like he wants me to. But I have to do this. I have to do this. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, every head bowed, every eye closed, this message is for the people in the back. This is for people because one thing that's on your heart is that you're struggling. You feel like you feel like you don't know what to do. And then some of us are in a dangerous place where we're not even paying attention to begin with. You're in a dangerous place. Because God wants to speak to some of us tonight that are dealing with rejection, insecurity, fear, and wounds. Because the true wound is that you've been rejected. The true wound is, is that it's making you fearful. And the wound is now making you insecure. But I want you to know tonight that God's here right now, in this moment. The first group of people I want to talk to before we close is that if, if you're in here and you're like, Jacob, I want a genuine relationship with Christ. I know I, I kind of believe and I'm trying to do the right things, but I feel like I can't measure up. And that's okay because you can't. Only God can completely transform you. If you think you have to overcome this sin or, or be, do these good deeds to get to Christ, you are hearing the wrong gospel. The gospel is, is that he takes you in and then transforms you. That's how it works. So if you're in here and you want to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, genuinely, not just, oh yeah, I just love him, but you want to see God in your life and you want Christ, you want to have a genuine relationship with God, I want you to raise your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can put your hand down. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want every, everyone else in this room to pray this with us. You're not by yourself. This means that you, we're going to pray with you because you are not part of the family of God. So pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for revealing yourself to me, for loving me, for wanting me to change. Father, I ask that you forgive me. I know I've sinned. I know I've sinned against you and I've gone against your purpose in your kingdom. Father, I thank you for accepting me into your family. 
And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you stay in my life. Lord, that you heal me from the wounds of rejection, that you help me overcome the fear, and that you help me bypass the insecurity. And Lord, I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. You can keep your eyes closed. Keep your eyes closed. To the people in here who have some wounds that cut deep, Maybe it was a a trauma in your life. Maybe it was something that's causing rejection, causing insecurity, causing fear. I want to pray for you in this moment. No distractions. No distractions. God is in this room. If that's you, if you are experiencing, I'm telling you, it's nothing. Don't be intimidated by it. God has an open arm. He doesn't have a pointed finger. If that's you, if you're experiencing rejection, loss, insecurity, hurt, any wound that has, that has caused for you to be in a place that you don't want to be up to this point, I want you to raise your hand right now. I want you to lift that hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lift that hand. Father, I pray for the hands that are lifted. Lord, that they want to receive your healing. That they want to be restored by your touch. Father, that they have been through some jacked up stuff in their life. Whether it seems small or big, not that important or significant, Father, it's significant to you. So, Father, we ask, Lord, that you heal their hurts. That you buy, that you help them overcome rejection, Lord, that they know that they're accepted by you and you alone. We pray that, that they know that you are the security that they need, Lord, that you supply the refreshment of your spirit. And Father, we pray, Lord, that they don't fear no longer, for Lord, they can trust in you. Lord, even though they might not know the way, they might not know the plan, they might not know the, the way you do stuff, but Lord, let them learn how to trust. Let them learn how to trust you, not by a feeling, but by faith. And Lord, that they are restored, that they don't have to feel like they're the people in the back anymore, Lord. That you tell them you are the people in the front with me, seated on the right hand, seated by me in heaven. You are not the ones that sit in the back rows. You are the people that sit with the Father. Lord, we thank you for your healing, and I pray a blessing every single student and every single leader and every single parent and every single person in this room and anywhere, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you bless them as they go out and live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.